Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Today on the show, I have my very good friend, Ari Blumenkatz. He uh, is a community organizer out here in Milwaukee. He works with organizations such as If Not Now. Uh, he works with Rethinking Schools. Um, he just uh, helped organize uh, the Jews Against Ice protest uh, this past Friday which was the first protest I ever took place in, and it was a marvelous experience. Uh, we're gonna get into all, all of it, you know, all of it at once. So uh, Ari, thank you for being on the show. Oh, no problem, thanks for uh, having me on, really excited. Of course, uh, how's your day going? You know, it's going um, okay. Um, had a uh, bike ride uh, down to, uh, you know, past the museum and, and Walker's Point for, uh, Breakfast and that was like a sort of nice respite Very on nice. things. Yeah, was what, great. what was uh, breakfast? Breakfast was um, <laughs> I had um, uh, truffle eggs oh. actually, which was like delightful. Yeah, that sounds great. And it was really really. Oh good. man, that sounds really fucking good. Yeah, Damn. I'm a bit. I like eggs. Yeah, I, I, I eat a lot of eggs. But. I don't see. I'm not much of an egg guy, but they're so cheap and they're so versatile. You could do so much with them. I need to. I should start buying eggs more. You know, there, well, you know who actually like sort of has me on eggs a little bit. He doesn't even know it, is Reveal. Mm. Um, because Re shout out Reveal. Shout out Reveal. Reveal, <laughs> you know, is doing like the keto diet and is you know all like you know yeah. bulked up and everything. Yeah. And I asked Reveal, I was like, so what do you eat? He's I eat eggs. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. like all day, every right. day. He eats eggs. Yeah, that makes sense. I know he. Yeah, he's very into like his fitness. Uh, I mean, that, that's like, what is the keto diet exactly? It's like, is that like a high fat, no carb or something like that? So, something like that. I'm convinced it's made up. As most diets are. Yeah. Like your body apparently goes into something they call ketosis, which sounds like a made up word. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like uh, trying to, trying to you know, get, be a little healthier. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because my, my general diet is that of a seventh grader. Oh, yeah, um, right. I, I love soda and junk food and yeah, left my same. own devices. Same. I just drink lots of soda and junk food. Yes, yes, I agree. I eat ramen by choice. <laughs> uh, ramen is delicious. I, I think it's just a matter of preparing it in a more authentic way that makes it healthier. So you can still like enjoy what you like, but make it a little healthier. Make so, it a little healthier. Yeah, I totally get that. Wait, so I, I have to ask, um, it was your first protest. Yes. I mean, like, how was it? I mean, what'd you think? So, uh, I had trouble sleeping the night before, uh, which was partially my fault. Um, I stayed up watching a movie and then was up at like 7.30 or so. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, it was, yeah, I mean, I was, I was tired. I was very tired and it's, uh, early, it was early at 8 a.m., so early hour for loud voices and megaphones, but it wakes you up pretty fast, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it does. Um, it, was, it was beautiful. Uh, it made me want to do more. Mm. Made me want to do a lot more, actually. You're gonna have to start letting me know when shit's happening. Cause I, I mean, it felt like, cause for the longest time, it was like, it was me like always like sort of like supporting people that are out on you know the the front lines like you know fighting for rights like rallying against the system like 
I always was kind of like an observer from that while I supported the causes. Like, I right. guess having so many more conversations, especially with activists and especially like with people on the show, I'm like, well, I'm not doing enough. I need to do more. I need to play more of a part. So it felt good to actually do that. Mm. And it's, it's, it's very like, it definitely like empowered me to, you know, continue making that change because, you know, it, it, yeah, like, I mean, I would, like, it was morning, like, you know, I was tired, not running a lot of sleep, but I was able to, like, get past that really quickly because I'm fighting for what's right. Mm. And also, I was amazed by the age range. Yeah, It's right. fucking, like, we had, like, people in their 80s to, to kids, you know, families. Like, it was such a, such a diverse crew of people that just like you know they 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 know how the system works you know and like there's no there's there's no you're never too old or too young to, to fight for what's right so that i thought was probably the most amazing part of it oh definitely i mean that's like something that um you know we started organizing this and um you know, in a lot of other cities, uh, a lot of the organizers have been fairly young yeah. um, in a lot of the committees, even though they've been intergenerational events and things like that. Yeah. But um, with us, um, you know, I'm pretty much the youngest member of like the group that sort of came together to help organize yeah. this by like a long shot. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but like I was one of the few men oh, yeah. um, to do it too. Um, the number of women that like stepped up to make the action happen, I mean, are, I mean, it's it's not one, one actually sort of understands that yes of course women are the ones that are right. holding most of this and when i've talked to other people about it they're like yes of course women are holding these roles across yeah. movements everywhere yeah. and things like that um but like if you looked at our sign-up sheets um and our email lists and things like that i would say almost like you know three quarters um if not more uh if not, something close to 80 85 percent are all women and yeah. if you looked out there um at the action i think you saw like mostly like uh women and families and yeah. badass wisconsin oh, women yes um really like making this happen and um they run the show they run the show and um yeah like uh i mean give a special shout out to um uh you know rachel buff who really shout helped out rachel up, buff. who like was you know one of the main people she's a professor at happen. uwm yeah professor at UWM, um, uh, other folks who, there were just like lots and lots of other uh, women who like came through mm -hmm. really helping us out. Yeah, yeah, that was, and also like the, the congresswoman was there, Quinn Moore, yeah. um, just, uh, you know, like local politicians, you it know. It was like, so cool to see like, wow, these, you know, people that, you know, are, like our constituents, um, you know, people that like have a voice and a platform to like make changes in the city and everything like they're here they're doing god's work and they're and you know they have a huge team behind them um and that was really amazing to see too it felt like you know no one is too and i experienced this a lot like you know with a lot of artists in the city it's like no one is too like has too big a reputation for you to go up and just introduce yourself to them and be like hey I care about what you're doing, you know, and you know, 99.9% .9 of the time it goes very highly appreciated. And that was really amazing too. Totally. That's like, you know, so I moved here about two years ago, um, a little more than two years ago. And, um, 
you know, you run into your Congress people and your politicians at the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> and, I yeah. and like all over the place. And like, in fact, um, two of the people doing direct action, um, uh, Alex Brower and Ryan Clancy, are both running for public office wow. um, yeah. as well. And so like, uh, that to me is something that's like, you know, Milwaukee's a little small townish there, in yeah. a lot of ways. Um, it's like big city, small townish oh, yeah. together. Um, but totally. Uh, yeah, I've always found that amazing. Small Walkie, I'll tell you. <laughs> Small Walkie, that's it's really right. remarkable. And um, you were at the uh, ICE office like pretty much all day, were you? Yeah, yeah. So um, we were out there, and our goal was basically to be out there um, as long as possible um, until the building um, closed yep. um, officially. Um, and um, you know during business hours and things like that. So um, you know the rally started around 8 a.m. Um, we all stayed out there until uh, 4 p.m. and we were you know basically saying like we're either going to get arrested or um, we're going to stay out here blocking uh, these driveways yeah. um, until uh, as long as we possibly can throughout the day. Um, they decided to take the tactic. They closed the building down in response um, to us, um, and um, we still stayed out there um, the entire day to make sure that it wasn't, you know, right. a trick or something like that. Um, but it is my understanding that that's like the first time that a ICE building has been shut down for an entire day wow. um, across the country. Um, and you know, we've seen these protests. Um, all over the place and they've all been like effective at a lot of different levels and I think ours was uh, really effective as well. That's amazing. That's that's so remarkable. Was, I'm so gracious to have been able to be a part of it but the fact that like you know you I mean personally invited me to it like you know meant a ton and because you know you like, like it's like you're bringing your friends into the circle to make a difference with you and that like you know that's that's really important getting our friends to fucking you know, get it, get with the program, you know? Totally, totally. But like, I mean, the, like, I don't know if this is like too cheesy or too much, but like, um, you know, the other thing about you is that like, I mean, you're a leader. Um, I, you know, people look to you for all sorts of um, reasons, both uh, in terms of like, you know, not only like what music should they listen right, to right, right, and yeah. check out and things like that, but I think like you really help set the tone for a lot of people in this city and a lot of young people you. um, in this city. Um, and for good reason, you're a really honorable person. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. And likewise, you are as well. We're, we're happy to have you here. Uh, and <laughs> happy to be here. <laughs> yes. Well, good. No, we are, we're very fortunate to have you out here in Milwaukee. So I want to actually, like, I want to, that being said, I want to, uh, I guess, trace back, and I want to hear a little bit about, like, sort of, you know, your upbringing, because you're from, where'd you, where were you born? Yeah, so I was actually, I was born in uh, Michigan, um, but my family moved around uh, mm -hmm. a ton um, when I was young, so uh, they moved from Michigan to Massachusetts, we spent a year in England, uh, came wow. back to Massachusetts, and then I mostly tell people I'm from Tennessee because that's the longest I spent um, anywhere um, as a kid. So I moved to Nashville when I was in fifth grade and stayed uh, there through uh, high school. Great music city. Great music city. <laughs> um, you know, it's so interesting. Now, everybody wants to go to Nashville now. Yeah. Uh, right. When I was growing up there, eh, nobody really wanted to go to it's Nashville. It's the cool thing to do now. It's a very cool thing to do. Yeah. Um, hot chicken wasn't even really a thing. Yeah. That wasn't yeah. really a big thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now it's a very cool place yeah. that people want to be. Sure. Um, I know there's that, the, the big like wing mural that everyone takes pictures of. Oh yeah, like that's love like, that. yeah, that's like the um, the, the the photo op. Uh, and then you were in California for a while, yeah. Yeah, so I went to UCLA um, for school, and um, 
I basically spent my college, um, my college years both like in school, but then also um, working for newspapers across the country. Nice. Um, so I worked for a paper, and I worked for the Nashville paper for a little bit, um, then I worked for the Cincinnati Enquirer, uh, the Seattle Times, the Boston Globe, mm -hmm. um, and then um, I landed an internship at the LA Times, and I stayed at the LA Times for about uh, seven years wow. um, after that. So um, that was, um, yeah, 2007 um, through 2014. Um, I was at the Times there, and I covered a variety of things. Hey, um, shout out online print. Shout out <laughs> online print. Yeah. Shout out the LA Times, which is revived and uh, yeah. doing awesome. Hell yeah, good, yeah. Uh, Mad respect for uh, our hardworking journalists that are, you know, really trying to, you know, evoke uh, action uh, to stories not being told. Um, so that's really great. Uh, so uh, and then, uh, so how I guess because uh, we will get to you know how you land in Milwaukee. So but like how uh, I guess where were you, like your earliest days of really feeling inspired to be like a community organizer and activist you know like because I mean you're a you're a, you're a leader too and I you know we all had to start somewhere uh, and can be easily we can easily be discouraged yeah, you know? totally. so I guess yeah where do you start with it all so it was kind of interesting so like throughout those years that I was at the LA Times I like purposefully stayed away from doing like any personal activism I very much bought into this sort of neoliberal uh, mainstream media project um, yeah. You got to be objective. There yeah. are multiple sides to everything. Right. I was um, the same way. Yeah, and um, and things like that. And when I left the LA Times, I first went to a um, an investigative outfit called Voice of San Diego. Um, and after that, I um, wound up at Tacoon Magazine in uh, Berkeley. And Tacoon's a um, social justice uh, Jewish magazine, nice. um, an interfaith magazine. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was managing editor there. And it was honestly while I was at that um, while I was at that magazine, and Trump had just been elected, and there were you know Steve Bannon was still in the White House, yeah. and Steve Bannon is a open white supremacist, a you know uh, open anti-Semite, right. just you know he was yeah Breitbart, the whole, all that all the whole, the whole nine yeah <laughs> so, yeah. And I saw online this like protest um, of all of these Jews, like hundreds upon hundreds of Jews protesting Bannon. And I'm watching like the live stream at my computer in the Tacoon office. And I'm literally like getting like the hairs are raising on my arms and hearts beating. And I'm just like, that's the work I want to be doing. That's what I want to be involved in. And yeah. so I, um, I very quickly reached out to um, a group called If Not Now that I didn't know um, much about um, uh, at the time at all. I just knew that they had, you know, been engaged in that Bannon protest, and I also knew that like they had a couple of principles that I felt really comfortable with. Yeah. Um, and I've always been like, even when I was in college, like I'm, I feel like every college has one of these like you know, walks, like Bruin Walk, or like, you know, place where you sort of walk through campus and there's everybody shouting at you yeah, from like all yeah. sides of stuff. Yeah. And like, I remember I used to like walk through Bruin Walk and like, like literally yeah. put my headphones on and close my ears yeah. when I like Bruins for Israel was yelling at me and Students for Justice Palestine was yelling at me. Yeah. I felt like everybody. And so like, yeah. I intentionally stayed away from like anything Israel-Palestine um, because I didn't feel like 
there was any place for me to be Jewish and also express yeah. like what I cared about. But like some of the principles that, uh, that if not now, they like, we don't take a stance on BDS, we don't take a stance on uh, Zionism or nationalism, right. we just take a stance that the occupation should end. I was like, okay, I can get behind yeah. that, I can get into that. Right. And so I went to, you know, my first if not now training. Um, I was pretty like skeptical and cynical while I was there. Yeah. Asked way too many questions, right. highly like inappropriate amount of questions. <laughs> yeah, right. Which I mean is, is typical when you're new to it, you're like, so what do you so what do you really mean (laughs) you know like what are you trying to do here uh which is i think i had a lot of that skepticism too because i and that and like i felt you know i definitely bought into a lot of like you know the just like the you know because it's kind of indoctrinated us in a lot of you know in you know college judaism is you know israel advocacy is a is a component of a lot of like the jewish student life you know it's kind of expected um and i didn't really i knew nothing about israel palestine when i came to college i you know it was sort of you know that whole presumption that's made that you know like students for justice in palestine is like anti-semitic and that you know any presence of like a palestine rally is like you know calling for like you know an end to the jewish state or that there's anti-semitism all over it like that's stuff that is like you know it it is fed to us uh through you know various pro-israel organizations uh house bra organizations i know because i was sucked into it for a long time yeah um and that being and so all that said like it you know it's like I, so like I was part of like, you know, Israel activism for a while in college, but I was increasingly getting disillusioned by how I never, I never felt like a lot of pro-Israel organizations aligned with, you know, my own moral or humane values, like, you know, especially when it comes to relations with like Palestine and the occupation, like, you know, it's one thing to take pride in your country or have a connection to Israel, like, you know that's that's fine and and that's important you yeah. know it's a big part of jewish identity for a lot of jews but but you we, but like i feel like that can't be used to that can't be used to justify erasure of palestinian identity which i wanted to like you know be proud of like being jewish and be proud of like well you know i'm i do have a connection to israel but this isn't like the zionism i want to be standing for you know this isn't the this isn't what I want to be like known as is like you know somebody who doesn't believe that Palestinians deserve basic human rights and and you know kind of what you know organizations you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name specific ones off but just a lot of sort of the agendas in pro-Israel organ- movements is just you know it's all about you know painting you know Palestinians as you know people that hate Jews or people that, you know, want to inflict terrorism on, you know, the the Jewish state, but really like man, the power of reading into things. Yeah. The power of reading into things. And also the power of making friends that see things from the other side. Uh, absolutely. And that's like, I mean, for me that's like one of the most uh, important things that can happen. And it's brave yeah. because it's going to be super fucking like uh, frowned upon like with your with your peers oh yeah like people are gonna not wanna they're gonna you know directly discourage you from hearing the other side 
especially on the topic of Israel and Palestine. But, um, and you know, I see more and more of my Jewish friends doing that, and I'm proud of them for doing it. You know, it's, it's just, yeah. Uh, let me ask you a question about it. So, like, you know, one of the things that, like, you know, we talk about or think about a lot of times is that, like, there seems to be a change in conversation in the American Jewish community around Israel-Palestine. Um, and I'm wondering if, you, if you're seeing that um, here in Milwaukee or seeing that elsewhere. I am. I totally am. <laughs> I actually, yeah, no, absolutely I am. Uh, I think even within our own Jewish student center, at, at our Hillel, that became the, the, the discussion that became more and more open about just having an open Hillel where, you know, people can bring out, you know, uh, any any viewpoints about like Israel Zionism as long as they feel a safe place to be Jewish. Mm. Um, I know plenty of people that were involved in my Hillel. Like we went, to, or like UWM is a very liberal campus, so like you know there is just a lot of social justice conversations in general that occurred in our Hillel. So I think at least in our in our culture here in Milwaukee, it definitely is. I can't speak for other communities that might be you know more take a more conservative route on Israel, but I definitely think that, like, you know, as as the tide has changed with how we discuss, um, you know, intersectionality in, in social justice circles, you know, how, the, you know, what roles Jews have to play mm -hmm. in, in, you know, intersectionality, how Jews, you know, have to, you know, it's a hard pill to swallow, but there comes a time where we need to separate our Jewish identity from like, you know, Israel and its politics and Zionism, because at the end of the day, it's like, we're Jews first. Right. We are Jews first. And I know plenty of people that are Jewish that don't have a connection to Israel. And that's fine. You know, that's personal to them. Right. And it's not, I feel like it's not any, anyone's place to tell someone you're not Jewish because like, you don't, you know, stand up for Israel. Like, Right. It's. I think that's just a really closed-minded way of thinking. So I think that the, the tide is turning um, because I think that a lot of us left-leaning Jews are just kind of uh, done with uh, Netanyahu shit. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I feel like, yeah, uh, that answers your question. Definitely, and that Netanyahu-Trump alliance, I mean, is yeah. like just so gross. No, uh, it's, like, yeah. Um, I feel like uh, if they wanted to drive, you know, left-leaning and progressive Jews away from Israel, they would do exactly what they're doing right now. Right. Um, yeah. So exactly, and it just you know that spurs uh, it makes it harder for it makes it harder for Jews that do have a connection with Israel to even you know uh, openly be able to express that because they get grouped in and associated with. That complicity of like of not Netanyahu and his policies, and yeah. I I for, for sure don't want to fucking be grouped in with that. So um, my feel for my family out there. I mean, you know, uh, I have lots of family in Israel, and um, in many ways, I think living in Israel is you know there's a lot of similarities between living under Trump here and living under Netanyahu in Israel. I mean, just huge, huge swaths. Mm -hmm. of the Israeli public, you know, are really, you know, against a lot of, like, you know, what's happening yeah, there and things right. like that. Um, they seem a little bit um, hamstrung and bound by a lot of that. Yeah. Um, can I ask you another question? Sure. 
so at the protest on um, Thursday, um, did you feel Jewish? Yeah. Yeah? Of course. Yeah, I did. Um, it's funny because, like, I wasn't even wearing anything Jewish. Like, I wasn't wearing a Jewish shirt. I didn't, yeah. like, have a yarmulke like other people did. But, yeah, I did. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I mean, I felt like I was Jewish, but I also felt like I was just doing the right thing, you know, just playing a part as a moral obligation sort of thing. But, yeah, yeah I mean, it felt amazing because, like, we're Jews and we fucking care, mm -hmm. you know? Like, we actually, we want to see, we, as Jews, acknowledge that, you know, the horrible, heinous injustices happening uh, uh, at the border right now. Um, uh, the, the, the xenophobia, the, you know, the huge just um, fear-mongering that's occurring against immigrants in general right now, um, you know, we're, we're sick of it. Um, and we will not be represented by it. You know, we, as a matter of fact, we actively, we need to speak up against it, you know, and in the same way we fight anti-Semitism in this country, you know, we need to fight bigotry. Mm. Um, so I felt like I did feel Jewish. Um, I definitely felt like it was, you know, I mean, I'm very culturally Jewish. So like, I definitely felt like part of a, something bigger, like part of a community, part of people that identify in a, in a similar avenue to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. How about you? Do you feel Jewish when you're on the, when you're doing protests like that? I do. I do. Um, and like one of the things that, um, that's also interesting to me though, is how being Jewish for me in Milwaukee has been different than being Jewish in other places. And, um, one of the things that I've found here is that, like, um, there's an unbelievable amount of allies who want to help and lift up my ability to be Jewish here. Yeah. And that, like, has been, like, crazy special um, to me. So, like, um, you know, we had predominantly, like, Jews that were out there and things like that. But we also had huge amounts of, like, allies, yeah. like, out there as well, whose main goal in a lot of ways is to help uplift the voices yeah. of, like, progressive Jews. And for me, this is, like, some really fascinating intersectionality yes. happening, um, some really fascinating things. Like, you've been to my house for Shabbat. Um, yeah, a couple great times. time. <laughs> great ass food, some wine. Oh, man. Yeah. That was a good time. We gotta do that again soon. Oh, very soon. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, at the at the house, we'll have like, you know, several non-Jews like come and they will sing the Jewish liberation songs yeah. with us. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's like, okay, wow. So that's something when you, when you've got non-Jews singing Jewish liberation songs with like, you know, majority Jews and yeah. things like that. That to me is like, says something like really special actually about Milwaukee. Um, we feel seen and heard, you know. Exactly. Seen and heard in... I mean, when I got back from um, Palestine recently, the person that picked me up at the airport was, um, you know, my closest friend who's evangelical. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, he was checking in on me at every, you know, stage while I was in uh, Palestine. Uh, he and his wife were, um, you know, checking to see how I'm doing. I felt so much support from uh, non-Jews here um, that, like, I, uh, like, I just found it fascinating. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I feel like that's just gen, genuine, just yeah, humanity. You know, like it doesn't matter the creed, the religion, race, sexual orientation, gender, anything. Like, if you're a good person, 
you're going to see the good in other people and you're going to stand up for them. And I, I think that that's the, like, I, you know, I have friends, you know, similar to like what you just said, like, you know, one of my best friends back home, he's also an evangelical. He knows, you know, there's plenty of, uh, 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 things in his own religion that, you know, are being used as weapons. Right. Um, and he acknowledges that just as big of a problem as someone like you and I would. Um, and I feel like it's like you can just see when something is wrong. You know, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as, like, you know when something is wrong. And, it, and when it's being used to justify that bigotry, like, religion, it's like, then what, like, how, like, how religious actually are you? Right. Because most every religion teaches love and empathy and, you know, and uh, just basic humanity. And, like, what really religious principles are you following? That doesn't sound as much like faith to me. That sounds more like um, uh, instilled hatred or fear or just basic intolerance. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know... I like. I mean, I'm not a, um, I'm not a very religious person as it is. But you know, there's nothing wrong with being religious no. in that way. You know, totally. Um, it's interesting though. Like uh, earlier, you mentioned that, you know, when you like start like caring about Palestinian like humanity, that like there are lots of folks who will try to attack you, yeah, um, and bring you down. And that to me has been like honestly like one of the like the most depressing saddest yeah. things um like none of the palestinians i've ever met none of the arabs i've ever met in my life none of the black people i've ever met, like have ever called me a dirty jew nope. have ever called me uh have ever told me i'm not jewish right. ever done like you know told me like uh, i'm a horrible person or anything right. like that but members of our community have frequently um, attacked me and called me, you know, a, a kike or yeah. um, or a dirty Jew or things like that. Yeah. And I've been called a terrorist sympathizer. A terrorist sympathizer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's and like like what? All of this stuff, and it's just like, um, you know, our own community is just like, who needs the enemy when like our own community is like destroying itself right. half the time or attacking itself, you know, so so much. Um, that's real. So, like, I don't know. That to me has been, like, I do a lot of digital organizing and, um, you know, digital spaces in general can be, like, crazy toxic and nasty yeah. and, like, really horrible. But, like, um, you know, it never sort of ceases to amaze me about, like, how bad it can be. Yeah. And, um, I mean, when I got back from, uh, from the West Bank and from Israel, um, you know, it was, it was conservative Jews who were... Um, you know, telling me that my injuries were fake, that things were it was staged, staged. And, yeah. you know, and all sorts of stuff like that. And that, I mean, I was already in pain and, you know, dealing with like, you know, real injuries and things like that. Um, and it was just like, you know, additionally really hurtful yeah. and to uh, like have that like level. Because your me. basic humanity is being put into question. You, uh, are you familiar with Abby Martin? No. She, uh, she, she's like a She's on Joe Rogan's show a lot, but oh, she okay. does like uh, she she uh, is like an investigative journalist, and she has like an entire expose coming out, like a film. Um, it's called it's like called Gaza Fight for Freedom or something. But she has this whole expose on like the occupation in Israel mm -hmm. and like 
the brutality of like the Israeli military and stuff like that. Um, check. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll send you a link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really. It, I think her show is called The Empire Files or something. Okay. But um, so while we're on that topic, yeah. So yes, you. Uh, so you were recently. Yeah, you were in Israel and Palestine. Um, you were uh, there visiting family. I know you did some work with If Not Now uh, in the West Bank. You were. Uh, my understanding is you were. Um, helping rebuilding uh, a Palestinian road, and you were uh, accosted by the IDF. I guess, uh, do you want to take it from here and bring more context to yes. the situation, the incident that you had? Sure, um, and like most of the organizing I did there was actually with a group called the Center for Jewish Nonviolence. Yeah. Um, and I had been with the Center for Jewish Nonviolence on another delegation um, a couple years like earlier, and um, the way that these like delegations like work um, is that there is like a lot of like learning, a lot of like meeting of people, a lot of like learning of histories, yeah. and all of that sort of stuff, both in Israel and uh, in the occupied territories. Um, and um, then there's generally like a uh, an action component um, of the delegations as well. Yeah. So in 2017, um, one of the action components um, there was that we worked with a coalition of Palestinian and Israeli groups to basically um, reclaim some land that had been declared a uh, firing zone, um, an Israeli firing zone, some land called Sorora um, that was there. And mm -hmm. it's like a tactic frequently by, um, used by the Israeli government um, and um, to basically you know, declare these like wide swaths of land as firing zones or things of that nature and basically displacing um, yeah. families that right. are there. So we basically went and we were inspired by the Standing Rock movement and so we went and we set up camp um, in Sorora and tried to make it so that um, people could return to, it was Bedouins in particular, return to their homes there that are mostly like caves and yeah. things of that nature. Um, and like I'm proud to say that like that's still standing. Um, Sorora is like still there um, right now. Um, the current delegation that we were on um, uh, in May um, was, um, again, it was in the West Bank. It was in a part of the West Bank called the South Hebron Hills. Um, and um, we went to, um, you know, work on a road. Um, there's this like sort of critical access road that's being, uh, that's between two outposts. And outposts are different than settlements um, mm -hmm. that you probably already know. Yeah. So there are like settlements which are like sanctioned and things like that. And then there are Israeli outposts which are illegal even by Israeli standards mm -hmm. um, for what's going on. Um, and so we were working on a, a road there um, uh, both like actually and symbolically. Right, so there was like a lot of symbolism. It was a uh, group of about 100, 150 of us out there. Oh. It was Israelis, uh, American Jews, international Jews, and Palestinians um, uh, that were there. And so it was like this big coalition for us. In many ways, this was like a symbolic act of us all working on the road together. Yeah. You know, um, can't make a better metaphor than that. Yeah. Than making the way together right. and we wanted a, a symbol of what we can all do um, working together and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and you know this road is like a pretty shitty crummy like road yeah. that goes across um, in order for like cars to actually like get on it and uh, get to like some of the Palestinians there they gotta go like 
crazy long routes yeah, around and right. things like that. So we figured that we would try to do some sort of combination of like both the symbolic and real action of us all like working on um, the road together. Mm -hmm. um, within like an hour of us like all working on the road together and we're you know pushing gravel trying to break up big rocks things like that nothing like too too much yeah. um you know we for, we saw some military vehicles and some police vehicles um you know first there was one then there was three then there was five then there was 10 then wow. there was 15 then there was 30 um and then there was like even more than 30. that's um, terrifying and so like wow. i mean literally we're talking like almost what seemed like a small, I mean, it was the army, but like a small army of the army um, and police out there. Um, they declared a uh, closed uh, military zone, um, which is what uh, the Israeli uh, military does whenever they want you to leave somewhere. They just sort of yeah. very quickly come up with a closed military zone right. and say, okay, you have to like leave and things like that. Um, you have to stop all the humanitarian work <laughs> you're doing. <laughs> just please leave now. Yeah. Um, and they gave us um, uh, 10 minutes to like move like much, much, much further like down the road. Um, within like three minutes um, of that, soldiers were descending down, um, uh, down the hill um, at us and they were specifically targeting um, the uh, Palestinians in our group and specifically the older Palestinians mm -hmm. um, in our group who, um, you know, we're talking about old men basically yeah. um, uh, in the group as well. Um, we decided to um, uh, that like the best thing to like keep ourselves like safe was to uh, engage in nonviolent resistance to this and what that means is like you basically work with each other to protect each other from what was going on um, and uh, you know you, you link arms you you um, do things like we were we were you know terrified at what was happening they were yeah. using sound grenades um, and uh, and all of that and um, and then um, to put it bluntly, they um, they beat us up, um, and uh, so and what I mean by they beat us up is I mean they kicked, they stomped, they punched me in the face, they um, they threw us uh, around, um, uh, they choked, um, they beat us up. And there's this video of it too. Yeah, there's video of it. I mean, there's lots of documentation of like yeah. the many bruises um, that people got, and many like. You know, scrapes and damage and yeah. um, and things like that throughout. Um, I was arrested along with uh, about 17 other people. Um, and um, one thing to note is that none of us were charged with any violence um, at all or committing like any violence um, at all that were there. Um, they arrested a couple of rabbis as part of this, uh, a couple of journalists um, as well. Um, and. When I was arrested, um, something absolutely horrifying happened, which is um, they posted me up um, against one of the military vehicles with my hands bound um, above my head, and they were using a very painful like maneuver on my leg so that like I could not either stand nor crouch or anything, but it was really painful. But um, to the right of me, um, they had detained a young Palestinian um, uh, I call him a young man, he's 15 years old, um, and they basically um, torture him uh, in front of my eyes. And what I mean by torture is that they were um, bending his back 
um, so far that he was screaming. Um, they used their forearms to, uh, there were about three soldiers there, they used their forearms to slam the back of his head into the um, glass of the uh, vehicle. Wow. Um, one of them spit on him. Um, Fucking heathens. And like it was, um, they took him away. Um, uh, at one point they took him away to where none of us could see him. Uh, when they brought him back it looked like he had been um, hurt and beaten some more. Um, and um, I gave testimony about this to uh, human rights attorneys there who have uh, filed a complaint on behalf of the 15-year-old. Um, I and some other people from the delegation did too. Um, and like, you know, lots of people like have, you know, or I don't know about lots of people, but several people have criticized like what we did out there. Um, but for me, a very bottom line thing to ask ourselves is, is an appropriate response to 150 American Jews, Israelis, and Palestinians who are doing nothing nonviolent, is an appropriate response, and Palestinians, is an appropriate response beating them up, arresting them, and torturing them? Like, is that an appropriate response to a group of nonviolent people? Um, even like some people are like, well, they call it a military order and, and, and you didn't leave and things like that. Well, is an appropriate response to that then beating up right. and hurting and injuring and torturing people? Like, what, like, what are we talking about here as like an absolute um, response? So I've, um, I've had inquiries into this from um, Senator Baldwin's office and from, um, uh, and from other people because um, one of the things about this is that should a foreign government be allowed to just beat up Americans and arrest them when they're being nonviolent and things like that, is that what we expect foreign governments to do? Like uh, without us like saying anything or doing anything? Um, and so, um, I mean, I personally was given uh, a concussion. Um, I was uh, punched in the face. Um, I was also thrown um, and hit the back of my head um, on, on a rock. Um, and, um, you know, it's been a little bit hurtful um, uh, to anybody that's like questioned the injury. I lost about a month and a half worth of work um, because of it. Um, I was in real pain. My family and friends were in pain because of how it is. Concussions all very frequently have um, the uh, effect of bringing you into a depression. Yeah. Um, uh, for me personally, it also made it difficult for my other medications to work well, um, which meant I wasn't, not only was I suffering from the concussion, but I wasn't getting, you know, as the best medicines that I needed. And it took a while to like sort that out. Mm -hmm. um, and um, even like uh, the editor of the Wisconsin Jewish Chronicle here, um, wrote a uh, opinion piece questioning uh, questioning the story that came out about this in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and basically uh, in a in a way um, almost uh, arguing that it was staged um, um, and things of that nature. 
and you know some people have been like oh did you really get a concussion and my response is please do you want to pay for my medical bills because they were they were huge and staggering um uh, i you know got a cat scan in israel i got cat scans here numerous appointments with doctors and neurologists and all that and so if somebody wants to pay for my medical bills because they think i stay just please um pay for my medical bills if somebody wants to talk to all of my family and friends about how much pain um, I was in for a month and a half um, and, and and how much I had to deal with that please feel free but it's like disgusting to me that like the response from folks like the editor of the Wisconsin Jewish Chronicle isn't about the torture that we witnessed isn't about the fact that like a Israeli uh, military might beat up a bunch of people who want peace um, it isn't about like you know the role that the occupation is playing yeah. it's about like oh was there photo more photos or videos right. or this and things like that it's like are you kidding me you're like missing the point completely right that's like the the, the it's always sort of like the um, the knee-jerk reaction right. is like oh like it's automatically put into question like oh really like like I bet there's more to the story right How's your head now? It's it's a lot better. Um, I still get headaches after like um, uh, longer days, but yeah. um, it's been a lot lot better. Thanks for asking. Of course. Um, and like, but it was like it was miserable for a while, and I was honestly like scared that like um, that it wasn't gonna get better. Yeah. One of my friends kept joking that like the IDF had made me stupid. Like the IDF made my friends stupid. <laughs> Like, it's because I, I mean, like, I, I was getting, he like, such headaches um, for so long, I could mm. not stare at screens, like, and I'm an editor. I mean, my main job is editing. It's, my main job is staring at screens. Yeah. Um, so, like, not to be able to, to work was really painful. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's almost like, uh, when, I th when you say that, I think about uh, how it's like, you know how, like, when you're so hungover, you can't even, like, think clearly? Oh, you, yeah. You, like, the pain and the, the miserable suffering... It it it, it, um, it speaks over your emotions and your mind. So it's like you can't even feel like, you know, you can't even overthink what you did that like last night, like because you're just suffering so much. And it's like yeah. I feel like it's that you can't even think clearly. Exactly, so. you can't think clearly, and then like, you know, one of the side effects of concussions is also that like your emotions are all over the place, yeah. which is like really tough on you and your you know friends and family too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Would you say like this had been like some like like living through that and having a direct confrontation like with the IDF um, in a very volatile place like that like would you feel like you faced like fear like uh, you know face to face? It's a good question. Um, I think the part that I would say like the part of that equation where I felt like I was facing fear in which like I was telling myself, like I was riding in the back of the Humvee um, that they had arrested and put me in the back of the Humvee. And um, I told myself that like, okay, an interrogation's coming. Um, this is like when you have to like, you know, as best as you can right now, keep a clear head um, and, and, and um, that the interrogation's coming and things like that. Um, and that to me was actually the part that like for me i was like most fearful um of but like also you know like i had such like support from like 
the Center for Jewish Nonviolence folks and um, from like um, people there. But like the other part where I would say I, I looked at fear was, or, or looked at like evil in a lot of ways, um, like was when I looked in the eyes of these soldiers who were um, torturing this kid. And I saw such hate in their eyes. And I know that these are not evil people to the core. I know most of them are really young. Most of these soldiers are like, you know, 18. They're, yeah, right. they're, they're like crazy young. Um, you know, and in many ways, it's like appropriate to call them kids because they are. Yeah. Um, but like, I saw in their eyes something that I've never seen before in my life. And that was like this pure, absolute hate. I mean, I covered South LA for the uh, LA Times for a number of years, and there were frequently officer-involved shootings of unarmed, you know, brown and black kids and things like that. And I used to like, you know, we used to talk frequently about like the role hate played in like those relationships, yeah. stuff like that. But I never seen what I saw in in their eyes before. Like that's like I still think about that. I that. That's still kind of, yeah. I mean, Haunts you, like. It, yeah. it does, like, um, yeah, I'll never forget the, their eyes and, and the hate that was in them. It's, it's terrifying, and it's, man, it just, it just, like, breaks my heart that that's the way it has to be. That, just that, like, I think what you said earlier about, um, that, you know, they've, that the military at that point felt that was the appropriate action to take to people, take against people that are just trying to help, that are just trying to, you know, do what's right, you know, uh, foster peace in the region. It's like, it, it really is like a, it's like question in, like it's a it's a pure question of like human morality in a lot of ways like 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 why is this deemed right you know there will still be and you uh you notion to this earlier there will still be uh you know um their actions will be justified by our own community there will it will still be put into question the 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 torture and the the fear and the terror that you that you endured that day that that little Palestinian kid had that went through and now has to live with for the rest of his life like that's still gonna be painted a you know a, a picture of you know you were on the wrong side of the fence you know you were causing trouble. And you deserve to be condemned for it, right. and that's that's what breaks my heart the most. Um, I think it's what breaks the heart of a lot of people like us that have to fight for, you know, that are trying to do God's work. You know, not fighting for our own like Jewish causes, but also for trying to ma also make up for, you know, the horrible stigma that the Israeli government places on the Jewish community and making up for that and, and, you know, trying to do our best to counter that and, and, and help those that, you know, their government is oppressing. Right. That's what makes it so hard, man. It, totally. I mean, and like, here's the part that like gets me like a little bit um, about it too. And like, or what, or, or first I'll say that like, you know, for the, for the young Palestinian man, um, 
like one of the saddest parts is like this this was like almost expected to him yeah um right. this is like stuff that he's gone through just tons and yeah. if you talk to like m many palestinian men um who are like older they can give you like they just like rattle off the number of years that they were in prison as kids mm -hmm. um like yeah. you know, like a lot of them were, yeah i was in prison from 14 and a half to 17 and it's just like like you've grown up in this yeah. like system and so normalized like in the conversation there. And so and like the beatings and like the like uh, the mistreatments are like really like in some ways fairly common like the only part that was different here was that there were like americans and american jews like around to like, and israeli jews around to like witness it but like one of the things that like gets me about like this like situation is that like and, I'm not anti-Israel, like right. at all. Yeah, I don't count myself as an anti-Zionist. Yeah, neither I, do I. And like, and you know, I again, I have like lots of family and friends there. I care deeply about them. I care deeply about what Israel and what happens to Israel. Um, and like, and so for me, like, I actually feel fairly mainstream in terms of like Jewish relationship to like Israel, like. You know, like if they're looking for like the rabid anti like Israel haters, like the people that want to see like you know Israel destroyed and like all that sort of stuff, like I'm not your guy. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, literally. Like, I, I'm literally like you know a, a guy who like believes in like you know Israel and believes in like you know it getting to be like a better country. Um, so like that's kind of like what gets me is like if they're gonna demonize me someone who's like not anti-israel yeah, right. then it's just like okay so you don't care who you're demonizing them at this point uh, like you don't really care even for people right. who are fighting for israel and like i do think like it's a little cliche but like you fight for the things you love right and like and so for me like i'm fighting for my family and mm -hmm. i'm fighting for the future of judaism like because i think like the occupation is killing judaism i agree like, it's killing and it's killing Israel itself and it's killing Israel itself. It's just like it's, it's the, like that's like I mean So like so you're telling you're coming after Jews who are fighting for Judaism. Yeah, like right. what kind of weird ass logic is that? Mental, mental <laughs> gymnastics, you know, yeah, totally. yeah. so so um, so I guess like and I also want to uh, I want to ask you because you know you directly like, you know uh, had uh, um, you had been present for you know this sort of relationship fostered between the two people so how do you feel like you know Israelis and Palestinians like in general like um, you know it's it's sort of like that there's the sort of the assumption that they hate each other and that you know they're very anti the other like uh, what did like how did you observe like the friendships between the two yeah, great question so I mean for the um, for the most part I saw lots of friendships between Palestinians and Israelis, um, and even Palestinians and Americans and like others who were there. Yeah. But like what happens, and this happens in the U.S. too, of course, um, but in a different way. But like no one goes to the West Bank in Israel. Like all, all of these folks have been like living like within like, you know, just a few miles right, or yeah. like, you know, yeah. or like not that far from the West Bank or from Hebron and they've never been there. 
So like when you go to Hebron, like you see directly streets that you can walk down that and, Palestinians can't. Right. Yeah. And like that's just that's just real. It's like call it whatever you want to, but like there are actually like I've been there several times now, and like there are actually streets that like, you're yeah. allowed to walk down as a Jew, yeah. and like that other. I've been there can't. too. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, and so from but most Israelis have never gone they've never seen it and so i mean in some ways i liken it to like you know a lot of like white people in this country that have like never like talked to black people or like been to like black brown neighborhoods or things like that and like live these like incredibly like sheltered bubble lives yeah. um and things like that um or like i think a, probably a better equation is to like the jim crow south like, yeah. I, i'm absolutely convinced that like anyone who goes like once you go and you see like what the situation is, like you can't even lie to yourself anymore. Yeah. Like, and you know, that's been the narrative of both like for me and like, like I was like, I didn't believe it. Like I didn't believe that there were like roads that like only Jews could walk down yeah. or like, or that there were different colored license plates for yeah. like Jews versus like Palestinians yeah. and Israelis versus Palestinians. Like I didn't believe any of that. Uh, like you, once you go, you can't deny it. Yeah. So I think that like, and what was interesting is that even my own family, when they heard I was going to like East Jerusalem even, were like, if you turn down the wrong road, you're gonna get killed. Um, yeah. And like all of this stuff, you're going to Bethlehem, you better be careful, you're gonna get killed, um, and things like that. And like that to me is like how, like the fear that's created so that people don't actually go right, and see yeah. like what's happening. It's all fear mongering, yeah. So, yeah. I remember I was, um, I was down the street at Oakland Cafe a couple months ago. Um, actually, I was with Reveal and my friend Nicole. And we were hanging out and just smoking some hookah, catching up. And um, we were having a conversation about uh, Palestine, Israel. And uh, there's a guy that was like uh, sitting next to us, like at the table that was like overhearing our conversation. And he asked to join us. And we we're like, yeah, dude, for sure. Uh, so it turns out like, you know, he was Palestinian. Um, he says like he's a Palestinian that has like you know uh, Israeli citizenship, um, and he'll go like back and forth uh, to um, you know visit family. And he told me some really fucked up shit about like how he like will be treated under it's like not not necessarily how he himself gets treated by like the by the occupation, but by how Palestinians that don't have American citizenship are treated. Like he said, he was saying that he, uh, he like, he ended, he was with a friend who like lives in Palestine and like doesn't have American citizenship. Uh, and like, apparently they like went in like a restricted area to go throw something away. Um, that was all they were doing. And uh, the IDF comes and like, you know, immediately like, you know, attacks them, like beats them up. And they didn't. T they didn't even like touch him because they were like, "Oh, you, you like you know you have U.S. citizenship. Okay, you're good. Like get out of here." But they proceeded to beat up his friend. Yeah. That I feel is so. It's fucked. It makes no sense. It's illogical. It's just like it. It just it raises the question. Like you know what? Just because like you know he has he has a U.S. citizenship like makes him exempt. Or, or like what, like what makes him exempt from the treatment that they're going to be exerting on another Palestinian for doing the exact same thing? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, 
I like. I don't get it, dude. I, just, I don't understand like the moral justifications behind attacking complete civilians that are doing nothing wrong. You know, like it's just, it, and that's and that like you said, you can't lie about it. You can't lie to yourself when you see it. Like I've been through the West Bank a couple times. Like I've been to Hebron a couple times. Hebron like is you know it was, it was scary. Like it was just terrifying. Like and I've experienced. And I experienced those places from, like, you know, the Zionist side of things, where it's like, we were made to be afraid of these these regions, these areas, because we're taught to think that we're going into some kind of, like, terrorist-friendly neighborhood, or, like, you know, somewhere that people hate, some a place where people hate Jews. But, um, but, like, yeah, I mean, I, like... I've seen plenty of like videos and stories about you know Palestinians that harbor no anti-Semitic feelings whatsoever. They just want to be home. They just want to be home. They just and th that goes for all the Palestinians I've met. Like I've, it's kind of it's kind of actually fun to dispel those tropes. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, like literally, is something you can say something as simple as like Black Lives Matter is not a terrorist organization, and that triggers like the right wingers <laughs> that are like no they're anti-semites and i'm like okay well uh i i know plenty of people that are uh that rally around black lives matter they know i'm jewish they don't hate me so you're you're you're, you're wrong buddy right. and i know plenty of palestinians like i mean i don't know like a ton of palestinians but like i know uh even just arabs in general that you know are sort of like this whole like the the jewish arab dynamic is always you know, it's like that stereotype we're pitted against each other. Like, I don't, like, I don't, no one hates me because I'm Jewish. Like, I've, I've, any Arabs or Palestinians, Muslims, what have you, like, they don't, like, no one harbors those feelings towards me. And many of them stand up behind, they stand up against anti-Semitism. Oh, yeah. Like, just, like, alongside us. And that is just exactly what they don't want to see. Right. That's exactly what... The, the Hasbara propaganda does not want you to see is us actually coexisting, standing up for the same things, standing up as brothers and sisters and, and siblings rather than, you know, where it's an us versus them. And I think the part of that is because for like specifically like the right wing Zionists and, you know, people that, you know, support what's going on in Palestine like their Judaism is political. Right. That's and that's what they use to justify their you know, their their belief set, you know. That's why I think like it was essential for them to use force on us, right? They wanna try to send a message when we were out there. Like that's the situation that they that they are the most fearful of. American Jews, international Jews, Palestinians, and Israelis together, that's like their nightmare. Right. Um, yep. And that's like, and so they're going to like try to deter that like as much as like, as much as possible. Yeah. Um, I commend Haaretz for a lot of the wonderful work they do. Oh yeah. They're a great publication. They'd... And Amira Haas. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out Amira Haas. Yes. Right, right. <laughs> shout out to Breaking the Silence, All That's Left, uh, Peace Now. You know, 
the Center for Jewish Nonviolence, just like all these organizations that are actively participated by Jews that also stand up for that stand up against what's going on out there, you know, because we can't be complacent. Yeah, let's, let's do, can we talk about breaking the silence? Yeah, second? yeah, sure, of course. Because so breaking the silence to me is like one of like the most interesting and profoundly effective like organizations on the planet, mm-hmm. um, and it is like so interesting um, to me and frightening to me how deeply scared the Israeli government is of breaking the silence. Um, Because here you actually have lots of soldiers who have said, I have seen this, I have witnessed this, I have done this. Yeah, mind you soldiers that are legally mandated to enlist, (laughs) Enlist you know? And like, you know, the stories that I've heard from breaking the silence soldiers like over the whole time are like, you know, they, it didn't like occur to them necessarily in the moment that what they were doing was like really horrible or, 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 or horrifying. But like the more that they got older and thought about like the actual things that they had done and the roles that they had actually done, they looked back and said, holy fuck, like what yeah. did I do? Like what was I complicit in? What yeah. did I, and so I think it's that interesting thing and like, the folks that are breaking this silence, I think, are brilliant and brilliant organizers and strategists. Um, and incredibly, all. it's humble. It's incredibly commendable, you know. But like, and then like, so, but now you have a government which has basically so vilified its own soldiers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, we don't even really do that here. Like, we right. don't like, I mean, like, we like, I mean, I will say like, you have like Trump vilifying like McCain's like, you know, yeah. like veteran history or things right, like yeah. that. But like, you know, we have our veterans for peace like here and things like that. Uh, but that's, it's not nearly the same as like breaking the silence. But like, even here in the US, we don't like, our government doesn't like just go after its own veterans. No. like all the time we don't care for them right. <laughs> we, we, and we don't provide health care for them right. and like everything like that but we we and, and and I say like when they are become prominent then like they are attacked by the conservative right here and things like that but here in Israel you actually have a government going after its own veterans know, for what they've done yeah. that is just like holy shit yeah. what the fuck like it's all that's yeah yeah We'll leave it at that. Um, so yeah, for the sake of time, um, so I wanted to ask another uh, question on this note. Um, yeah. We could obviously, we could be talking for hours. I know we, yeah. we obviously need to get together more. Uh, so as you know, you are an if not now activist, you are you know very involved in you know the public sphere of Milwaukee, uh, social justice organizing and everything like that. Um, how do you think the conversation within the Jewish community is going to continue to change in the next couple of years beyond? It's a great question. I think that um, it's going to operate differently in both different geographies and in um, different parts of American life. So one of the parts of American life where it's beginning to operate differently already is in the 2020 election cycle. So we've seen like already that like Bernie and Elizabeth Warren, um, along with some others, have actually named the occupation as a problem that has to end, mm-hmm. have begun talking about c- 
unconditional aid and things yeah. like that. And so I think like that is a huge thing. I think we saw in 2016, we saw like maybe it happening like a little bit yeah. um, in the election, but I think we're actually seeing it as a as an issue oh, yeah. in um, in 2020 um, as well. I think that the strength of the Trump Netanyahu alliance um, makes it unavoidable for it to be a political issue um, and things like that. So I think that's like one area that the conversation will continue to go and continue yeah, to be pushed. Right. Um, another area, and this is like I think undeniable, although there's lots of folks out there that are trying to deny it, is with programs like Birthright. Um, oh, yeah, that's that's a big one actually. And so like birthright, you know, for all of us was seen as this like sort of rite of passage situation. Yeah. I'm becoming right. American Jew, like of course you'll go on birthright, mm -hmm. you know, and, and do all of this. But like birthright's numbers are dropping. Um, and their enrollment is like actively dropping because like people are talking about overall what it means to be educated as a Jewish person. And that to me is like the fascinating question yeah. is like both with our summer camps, with our like, uh, with our other organizations, it's all talking about what does it mean to be educated as a young Jew in this country? And I think that's changing drastically. Yeah. I was, um, I was hired uh, maybe about nine months ago or something like that by a group of um, camp rabbis simply to talk about what does social justice education look like yeah that's not something that's like happened before so i think like really a lot of the conversation that's happening is in the field of education or israel education or jewish education and like that's another sphere that it's going to change um and then i think that there's also a funding sphere where like this is going to change like hugely right now mm -hmm. as well i think lots of people are wondering okay is the money that I'm giving to the Jewish Federation going to fund like settlement expansion? Yeah. Or is it going to like actually like help liberal democracy right. in Israel and things like that? And APAC. Yeah, and yeah. APAC and things like that. So I think like people are beginning to like change where their dollars are going yeah. as well. Right. Um, because like we saw that big expose on the federations and that their money was funding like illegal settlements and like um, like these other horrible operations and things like that. So I think all of these ways in which like the sort of pillars that have upheld this unconditional support of Israel um, are beginning to fall. Um, yeah, they're being dismantled. They're being dismantled, yeah. Yeah. Um, what about you? I, so that's it, yeah. Um, so for one, have you heard of that? There's like a sort of a, a rejection of birthright called birth left. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. saw that where it's like, and it's it is a trip, you know, to Israel, but you actually explore Palestine and and like the occupied territories and like actually like there's no erasure of Palestine on the trip. Um, so for me, I'm kind of uh, in line with a lot of the things you said. Um, I think that so I want to I want to speak very boldly and firmly about this. Because it fucking pisses me off when I see my uh, my uh, Jewish uh, peers um, say this. Like, Ilan Omar is not anti-Semitic. Oh my god! Okay, like <laughs> what she said about APEC is not wrong at all. Like, this is coming from a concerned Jew that she was basically speaking about how APEC does have a lot of money uh that goes behind the washington lobby you know like 
funding campaigns of candidates, basically paying them to support to to support Israel and its policies. Like that, like she's not wrong about that. You can literally look it up. Like just the fact that she pointed that out. Like oh, she's this Jew hater. No, no. Um, I um, so yeah. So I think that's a big part of it is that, that we're. Light is being is being shed on the influence that APAC has on Washington and just about the, the Israel lobby in general. Um, yeah, let's talk about Kufi for a sec too. Like Christians United for Israel, yeah. which like I think is like the number one group. Things like that. People like the fact that like Netanyahu and um, Kushner and other people yeah. have been like praised by them. These are people. Stephen Miller probably. Yeah, these are people who actually think that like and are supporting Israel because they think the end of the world's gonna come and we're all gonna die there and that we came from zombies. <laughs> like, they, think a, they think a dead guy's gonna be resurrected. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just like this is like this is who's funding Israel. I mean it's yeah. Like, it's delusional. It's it's straight delusional. Uh, so I think another. Another, and you know, there's going to be plenty of controversy within and outside of the Jewish community with this, but I think even that conversation about BDS has, has shifted, like, you know, we can talk all day about whether or not it's right or, or, or wrong, like, to support BDS, but I'll say, like, even as somebody who, you know, I'm pretty iffy about BDS, but I think that we can acknowledge it's not anti-Semitic. I think we can acknowledge that it there's plenty of BDS supporters that genuinely just care about Palestinian human rights and that there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Like, yeah. I think, like, you know, I think there's definitely questionable people that may support BDS, but at the same time, it's like, I, like, I think we're shifting the conversation over what is true anti-Semitism and what's not. What what's, what 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 is simple criticism of Israel? What is anti-Zionism versus anti-Semitism? And and I'm guilty of it. Like the I used to, I used to conflate the two a lot. Like you know, and it's kind of like going back to everything we were saying. Like we're kind of like encouraged to 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 view the two as synonymous. But I think that's a big part of it is that we're just we're talking about what it really truly means to like talk about real anti-Semitism in our country. The like Ilhan stuff to me is um, is interesting because, um, you know, like the Jewish community is like organized protests against Ilhan and things like yeah. that. And it's just like, okay, so where the fuck are your priorities right, right now? Like you can't even like see straight to see who your like real enemies and friends are. Right. Like right. and things like that. Like really you think like AOC is an enemy? You think Linda Sarsour is an enemy? You think like any of these people Rashida are your like, Yeah, you think these people are your enemy? Yeah. Like I mean the thing that I can say like most about like almost any of those folks is that when stuff has happened to the Jewish community, like when like our cemeteries have been desecrated, when there have been attacks on us and things like that, there is no one that's like faster to step up than like Linda Sarsour yeah. um, and, uh, and these other folks to, to offer a hand, amplification for how, how people can help or things like that. It's like, really, those are your enemies? Right, yeah, <laughs> seriously, yeah. Like, like, how about the people, how about the white nationalists that actually want to kill us? How about, like, let's talk about the, our real enemies are the two fucking shooters that just, uh, uh, you know, committed mat Dayton, Ohio, El Paso, Texas, that just committed mass shootings this weekend within 
a day of each and other. And the one that was uh, did the shooting in, in Miami yeah. there, and like, and how about Pittsburgh? And like, I mean, we have real like white nationalists and white supremacists that are trying to kill us. And like, you're worried about like comments from Ilhan Omar? Like, really? Like, how about like? I wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that she's a black Muslim woman in a place of power. That's, yeah. And the only other thing I'll say is like, the Republican Jewish coalition that has been providing cover for Trump, that has been providing like Jewish cover for him, they, they have got to go. They're the most despicable group of folks um, around because they are actually providing cover for him. Stephen Miller is providing Jewish cover for him yeah. to like actually make this happening. And we are dying. They are actually killing us and people want to kill us. And like any Jew that is voting for Trump right now is out of their fucking mind. Yeah, I know. So, sorry. Great uh, last hour talking about real fucking issues, you know? Um, so I was going to say, People are going to see this and they're going to call us self-hating Jews. We, we already know it's coming. You know, we're, we're going to... But the thing is, like, people... There's people that are in this country that... On that note of, like, how, you, how like, it's, it's totally, like, out of the fucking mind for Jews to support Trump. These same, like, white nationalists that are committing violence and hate and you know, embracing, you know, neo-Nazism, embracing, like, the ideals of the KKK, they want to kill us Jews, too. Yeah. Like... Well, thanks, Mr. Nice Guy. Thank you. For uh, having uh, me on your podcast. Of and, course, had a great time. So, my closing questions, I ask everybody, what keeps you up at night, Ari? Work. Work, <laughs> right, 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 yeah. That's real, we got a lot of work to do. Uh, what puts you to sleep, though? Melatonin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, yeah, uh... And um, and a good fucking Shabbat, right on Friday. Yeah, melatonin and good Shabbos, and um, uh, you know a, uh, a, some some good music. Yeah, yeah. We can talk all. We can talk about all these things, but good stuff. Thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you. Had a wonderful time. Um, thank you for watching, Mister Nice Guy. We'll see you next time. Oh. Mister Nice Guy.